0: Talking about climate is hard. It's complicated. Climate grief can be paralyzing, and optimism can feel fake. The Climate One podcast delivers empowering conversations that deepens your understanding of the climate crisis and its impact on everything. Every week, co-hosts Greg Dalton and Ariana Brochers dive deep on the failures of capitalism, environmental racism, the emotional trauma of fires and floods, and of course, the politics of it all. In a world littered with disinformation, Climate One has earned a reputation as one of the most credible resources on climate disruption. Climate One is available wherever you get your podcasts, with new episodes dropping every Friday Subscribe to Climate One today. Now back to The Coolest Show. This is The Coolest Show brought to you by hip-hop caucuses. Think 100%. It's the coolest show, you know.
1: Keep the culture connected. It's the coolest show, you know. Yeah, 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 respect the expert level information. Education. Rev here with got you covered it as you hit your destination. climate the rules, everything around me. Cream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye. Now the world is your off. Coolest, coolest show you know. It's the hip hop call.
0: So I'm excited for this conversation. One, um, this is my dear friend, this is my brother, and you know, I just appreciate. Him for all that he's doing and his role as the administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency, Michael Riga, my brother, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Glad to be here with you. Welcome man. back to The Coolest Show. Amen. I've been waiting for this. Yes, well, we've been waiting too, you know, but for a lot of reasons. One, when you came, you were fresh and shiny <laughs> when you first showed up here, and you was, you know, ready and uh now some time is taking place. Now you know what I mean right. there's some they say there's some wearing the tires. Hopefully I'm not looking too warm. Right? No, you look good. <laughs> I actually like the, it, it, the beard going on. Oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a good look.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know
0: what I mean?
1: Well, you know I, I didn't want to come on the show and your beard looked better than mine. So well, I just well, well, it well, down a little I, bit. Well, I
0: understand that. I understand <laughs> that. And we're not going to have any A&T or howard talk today. Oh, we're not. No, well, I mean, you, well, we can have it though. I mean, you know, you not be, I mean, you know, I mean, y'all, y'all, are know, glutton for punishment now, y'all, we, y'all, fresh off homecoming, we, we, we going uh, into homecoming, win too, yeah. We yeah. got a shout out to HU and the win, but shout out to the, the greatest, homecoming on earth, Jiho. Yes, that's right. That's it, right? We're excited about it. man. Right I'm now.
1: excited to be able to come on the show and just talk about HBCUs, man.
0: Well, that's the important. well, actually, start right there. I just came from the HBCU climate. Conference, Yes with Dr. Beverly Wright and Dr. Bullard and amazing people. how important are HBCUs in regards to fighting the climate crisis?
1: tremendously important. I was just with Dr. Bullard and Dr. Wright and Peggy Shepard, I think Monday of this week oh, awesome. talking about the importance of the community, but more importantly HBCUs and how that pipeline that pipeline is so critical for EPA, not just for Uh, employees, new employees, but also research, development, and grants. And so this convening that they've put together, it's just amazing. Uh, One centralized location where we're arming our future generations with the capital, the resources, the intellectual capacity to fight these challenges that you and I have been discussing.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, shout out to them. We both went to HBCUs, um, and I believe that too as well. Yeah. I believe that they are important to... Um, the solution i just got back from east palestine ohio yes it was my seventh time there um since uh, february 3rd of this year mm. when the train derailment happened um and so let's get into that yes. uh, a little bit because i just came from there and the one thing that those people said and i told them i was going to be talking to you they were wondering matter of factly where is the P in EPA? Where is the protection part? What would you want to tell them?
1: You know, what I'd want to tell them is that there's absolutely no community in this country that should ever have to experience what the people of East Palestine have experienced. Uh, we were there just hours after this devastating train derailment and we've been there ever since. I'll tell you Rev, uh, we have over a hundred million Uh, air quality data points that we've taken to be sure that we have the right systems set up to protect and measure the air quality. Uh, We've used airplanes, we've used mobile vans, we have stationary air monitors. We even did a preliminary indoor air quality assessment to be sure that we have our arms wrapped around the impact of this train derailment. I'll tell you over 150,000 tons of contaminated soil has been shipped out of that community. Over 36 million gallons of wastewater shipped out of that community. Uh, we know it was a devastating and traumatic experience for them. And so we're there to help clean up this mess that was caused by Norfolk Southern. We, we <laughs> cannot let the perpetrator off the hook. They will be held accountable. Uh, and we're gonna stay in this community. We're gonna continue to monitor the soil, the air. We're gonna continue to pursue the, the pressure on this company to do right by the people. And so I would say we are working on that protection level at night and day.
0: You know, I appreciate that. Let me let me go deeper to something you said. One, the pollution was shipped out. People know that it was, it was supposed to be shipped and you can let I me mean, know if it was shipped to both either Houston or Detroit or primarily other predominantly black and brown communities. Did that happen? And if it did, what are the protections to protect those communities from what came to their communities?
1: Yeah, what we did was we, we uh, held the company responsible. And so the company is responsible for choosing certified places where this waste can go. Uh, I think I worked very hard and strongly with Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee uh, and uh, Congresswoman uh, Rashida Tlaib and Debbie Dingell and others to be sure that not only we made sure that the company followed the appropriate processes and practices but any ask that they had to ensure that communities were protected we went above and beyond we put uh epa monitors on the site to be sure that there was no cheating Uh, we Mm -hmm. did extra testing uh, above and beyond what these certified companies normally do so listen we we looked at it from the beginning to the end and and one thing we did not want to do was create an unfortunate situation for a community as a result of another unfortunate situation that happened in East Palestine. But we also wanted to be sure that the company cleaned this mess up as quickly as possible. So we had our eyes on it, we continue to monitor, and we will ensure that every community is equally protected.
0: One more question, we jump right into the deep end here. Yeah. No. And uh, so I I'm, am I'm promise we're gonna go into the shallow end in a second. Well, <laughs> we're gonna be in the pool. I know we're gonna to go to the shallow end, but we, <laughs> we're gonna stay in the pool. Uh, Norfolk Southern, I agree with you. Had to hold them accountable. Thank you for that. Yes. But corporations have a tendency to do things in communities to not do that. One thing that struck me, the local high school, hmm. because Norfolk Southern just given money to kind of pass things over. Literally now, put railroad tracks on their football helmet. That was startling to me, hmm. right? Because that's this community that is now having this influx of money. I don't really want you to speak to Norfolk Southern primarily. You can. Sure. But then, but how do you, when it's sometimes the EPA is working with these corporations that cause these spills, how do you ensure that the enforcement part of that is yeah. taking place? I know you have to work with them to get their job done, and sometimes those create, relationships which, are, which should happen because you want things to get done. At the same time, these folks lives.
1: Yeah, I'll be very, very blunt with you. And yep. I said this on CNN with, with Jake Tapper. I'm not working with North Southern. I'm ordering them mm. to clean up the mess. And so uh, there is absolutely no lapse of judgment. They are the perpetrator. We are the enforcer. I'm using every tool in my toolbox to make them clean up the mess. I'm also though, continuing to have conversations with the mayor, uh, with Congressman Bill Johnson, whose district this is in, uh, with Senator Sherrod Brown, uh, with Governor DeWine. Uh, You know, listen, the company can spend money in other areas if they so choose, but we're going to hold them accountable and make sure they clean up this mess. And I spent time with about 30 or 40 of those students at the high school uh, sharing that same message uh, because they, they, The first time I visited Rev, I I spent time with those high school students. They were embarrassed that other schools didn't want to play them, Mm. football, sports, didn't want to visit their community. So the one thing that they asked me on day one is clean it up so we can get back to our sports so that we can remove this black cloud that's hanging over our head in our city. I I promised them I'd do that. I promised the mayor I'd do that. And Rev, we're going to keep working until we get the job done.
0: Well. Thank you for that again, and I can tell you, being from Louisiana, being from Cancer Alley, it's way after the camera trucks are gone,
1: Yeah,
0: it's way after all the people have had their town halls. It's in those moments when your mama calls you to the room and says, hey, um, I feel a lump in my chest, Mm. or your daddy says, hey, I'm I'm peeing blood, Yeah, Um, I know what that's like. So I thank you for understanding that as well. Um, let's get to some other stuff I mean I want to talk about also some of the the amazing things congratulations (laughs) on uh, dispersing a large amount of the hundred billion allocated to EPA yes uh, with the announcement of the Inflation Reduction Act can you tell us, uh, us about exactly what EPA's programs are and how they will move money to the people dispersing now and through the end of this year
1: well, I'll, I'll tell you, man, <clears throat> I, I am really excited about too. this. It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I joke with a lot of people. I'm the first EPA administrator with walking around money. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's it's a great compliment. You know, we're a regulatory yeah. agency, and I'm never going to give up on the enforcement and the regulations. Mm-hmm. But having $100 billion to complement that is just helping us to accelerate the direction we need to go in. Uh, thanks to President Biden's leadership and primarily— Um, You know, Congress, uh, we have $100 billion um, to invest in our communities. Let me break it down for you, $3 billion. That's billion with a B, $3 -hmm. billion focused squarely on environmental justice. Now, we're not gonna be paternalistic about this. We've spent close to $200 million in building technical centers so that we can build capacity in our communities so that they can be competitive for these billions of dollars. Uh, we're gonna get a, another 550 million out the door in the coming months. We've already pushed some out. I'm just excited that communities that have had solutions for decades now can match $3 billion to that and have pride in how they're gonna rebuild their communities. $5 billion to electrify yellow school buses. Mm. Uh, you know, The thought of a child having an asthma attack on the way to school because of diesel fumes, we can eliminate that in rural communities, urban communities. Tribal communities, um, really excited about that. Uh, you know, $5 billion in brownfields and Superfund cleanup. You know, if you got that old gas station in your neighborhood or that warehouse that's been abandoned, that's been there for years, blighting our communities, just looking, you know, unesthetically pleasing. Uh, we got billions of dollars to clean that up. Um, We're chasing the market. We know where the market is going. Mm -hmm. It's going towards cleaner energy and clean tech. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've got $27 billion to draw private capital off the sidelines and say, EPA is going to entrust those who know how to invest money to invest $27 billion in carbon reduction and clean technologies. And we think that's going to bring hundreds of billions of dollars of private sector capital off the sidelines. So it's programs like that, that we're gonna get out the door immediately. The other thing I say is uh, another $5 billion in climate pollution reduction grants. Mm-hmm. These are going to our states and our cities. So, so Rev, I'm, I'm saying this, 27 billion, five, five, three billion. Uh, these resources are going into the hands of people who have had solutions for a long period of time. Really excited about that. And those are overlay or complement to the regulations that we're going to push out to reduce this climate pollution that's plaguing our communities and plaguing our
0: planet. We had uh, Rahi Wise yes. on The Coolest Show. Amazing show. For those who are listening, please go back. Uh, he broke down the $27 billion, uh, uh this in a meticulous, fashion. so I'm not going to ask to break that part down. But the part that I will ask again will be: there is a clock. Yes. There's a clock to get out that money, and we're now going into an election year. Will you have enough time to get that money out the door?
1: We will. Yeah, we're we're on schedule. Cool. Um, and I, I think you and I were talking about this before in terms of how we look at and uh, digest politics. uh, What I've said to everybody is Congress gave us the money and gave us a timeline. And irrespective of the politics, we're gonna do what Congress and the law intended for us to do, which is get this money into the hands of the communities that have been disproportionately impacted for decades. Uh, There is absolutely no reason and no excuse that for many of these programs we won't have a majority of this money out the door before this first term expires. Mm. And that money will continue to flow, Rev. You know, when you start investing in every community across the country, independent, red or blue, and people on the ground start to see that infusion of cash, economic development, jobs, it really Mm -hmm. becomes hard if you're a Republican, Democrat, or independent to say, cut that flow off
0: for the betterment of the community. It should be very hard. So
1: we want to invest in communities and jobs and technology at the same time we're combating the climate crisis and reducing the disproportionate impact of pollution on every community, especially our communities.
0: And I think that's, that's, that's very important. Let me, the, let me ask the other parts of that. I know that your job is to be the administrator for everyone, so we appreciate that. Sure. You're not the administrator for this or that. We, we get that but this is the coolest show. So we want to make sure there's a certain group of our community would want me to ask, how are we ensuring, particularly for black, brown, and indigenous communities, that they are able to participate in that process?
1: It's very simple. Uh, Number one, um, I've created uh, a national program solely focused on environmental justice and external civil rights. Uh, So we have a political appointee level position that's equal to those in the air, water, and land office. That person is working at the top levels of government to ensure that everyone gets their fair share. Now, in the event you don't trust that that executive can get it done, uh, President Biden has issued Justice 40. At a minimum, the floor, 40% of the $100 billion that I received will go to and benefit the communities that are disproportionately impacted and on the front lines. And in some programs, like our Superfund program, our first tranche of money that went out of, of that $5 billion for Brownfield Superfund, 60% of that went to disadvantaged, low-income, or black or brown communities. 49% of the, the money going into water infrastructure improvements, mm-hmm. 49% of that is going to black, brown, disadvantaged, low-income communities. So my point is, is that it's built into the law it's built into the metrics that we've designed at EPA, and it's built into the leadership. We will ensure that this money
0: gets into the right hands. That's important. Let me, let's let change the, the topic a little bit to plastics. Yes. As you, as you know, I, I, I hate plastics. <laughs> now, I understand the importance of being very clear, if you're listening, I am, there are certain plastics that are important for heart procedures and other things like that. There's the, the gluttony, though. of single-use plastics um, uh, wrapping up our bananas with plastic (laughs) they already got a a, a natural wrapper with them already (laughs) Uh, I know how to cut up cantaloupe so you don't need to really put that you know and those kind of things so we're talking about single-use plastic and we're talking about this particularly because in Cancer Alley as an example there's so many petrochemical facilities and also particularly for again black and brown indigenous communities um we're seeing the impact of plastics Mm -hmm. we're seeing plastics in the placenta Mm -hmm. we're seeing particularly black mamas having stillborn births and we're seeing certain things that are directly related to this overuse of plastic we're seeing plastics in the beauty supplies right we're seeing it in the hair products so it's too much yeah right so i guess from that standpoint on petrochemicals and plastics Where are you on that? Where is the administration on that? And not just from, because I know EPI have been in this for for too long, not just putting it on a list and they're saying, we got it on a list, we're going to look at it, but what's the process to helping us reduce petrochemicals and plastics in our society?
1: Yeah, that's a very important question. And and I'll I'll tell you, as I travel the world, uh, I, I make it a point to talk to young people. This topic right here is just slightly secondary to climate change in terms of the importance uh, for young people. And so, you know, in April, we proposed a national recycling strategy to really begin to take a strong look at plastics and recycling
0: in this country. Now, you know, Judith and You to be at EPA without Beyond Plastic, would be like, oh my goodness, not a recycling. You no, know, she would. I'm just putting her in that sure. moment. I'm just putting her, for Judith listening, if I just put you into the couch. But go ahead, I'm sorry. No,
1: no, no, this is good. This is good. Uh, shout out to the past EPA um, folks. And, you know, we received over 100,000 comments on that, right? Yeah. But we're, we're sharpening that up, really focused on that. We're working very closely with uh, John Kerry and, and, and uh, uh, Secretary Blinken and the State Department on international plastic strategies as well.
0: Plastic treaties going on right now.
1: That's right. And so we're informing that process because, as you know, it's both a domestic and international Mm -hmm. issue. Um, But then, you know, as we develop these strategies, um, let me just say that with these billions of dollars that we have, uh, we just awarded a grant of $105 million uh, to help states and cities build up the infrastructure to get into the recycling game and begin to handle these plastics better. On the chemical side, uh, as we look at what we inherited from the Trump administration, they virtually did nothing to use the power that Congress gave them on TOSCA and to start looking at these toxic chemicals and substances. And so uh, we've invested a lot of money and a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, I like to talk about these resources that we're investing and the strategies that we're promoting but we shall not forget that EPA has regulatory authority and enforcement capacity. We're combining all of these things. We're using every tool in the toolbox right And <clears throat> we're, we're playing catch up. And we recognize that. But we also recognize that our current and future generations are suffering. And so there's just no time to waste.
0: So I want to talk about, I know you have a, a new youth council. Yes. right? I should talk about that right now. What, what is, I know that you've been researching Church in the country,
1: yeah,
0: for dynamic young people, and you found some apparently. We found some. Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) More than a few out there. You more than a few. All right. Well, let's let's talk about them. What what is that? What are they supposed to do? Yeah. And why was that important to have that kind of council?
1: You know, man, you know, a lot of people go out and, and, and patronize our
0: young people and, and our black shout and out, brown people. Shout out, we got oh, our, our, our one of our producers here, Destiny. I know she's tuned in right now because she's a young person. <laughs> but the to Howard, too, by the way. This, Howard, this okay, okay. okay, I didn't even, okay. I, I Everybody said, cannot I be perfect, man. I said, oh, man, I wasn't. Okay, I'm sorry. Back to the youth council. I didn't want to take you off, derail that, but I had to slide in Howard for you people.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, <laughs> shout out to Howard. Um and, and you know, here's the deal. I think that every major movement in civilization is led by young people.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: this current climate crisis, dealing with plastics, environmental injustice, no different, right? So we need to have our young people at the table. And at EPA, we have federal advisory councils, formal councils where we vet people and in a public way, uh, they sit in front of me and my executive team Mm -hmm. and we have conversations about how EPA operates. We do that for children's health. We do that for agriculture. Uh, We do that for environmental finance. And so it's time for young people to keep a seat at the table. Not Mm -hmm. just get a seat, but keep a seat. And so what we've done is we've stood up a federal advisory council that will host 16 young people, Mm. right, from ages 16 to 29. Now you would not believe the red tape it took to get through a bureaucratic system just to be able to engage people as young as 16, 17, wow. 18. But we thought it was imperative that we had them at the table. And so we're gonna announce later in November uh, the members of this new council. Okay, sure. uh, it's, it's Again, it's history. This has never been done in the federal government. This is beyond EPA. There's never been a federally recognized youth council that speaks to a member of the president's cabinet before. So this is the first, and we're gonna launch it, we're gonna make it big, and we're gonna make sure that young people are plugged in.
0: So one, thank you for that. That actually is very important, as you know. Hip-Hop Caucus, we believe in just obviously young people. I do wanna talk to you about this, though, in this aspect, in regards to young people. How do you ensure that that doesn't become performative? Yeah. Or a pity table? And this is the thing, you, you've been in the movement, climate movement for a while. You've been around the movement, and now you obviously you're, you're heading EPA. Um, a lot of young people feel they haven't, they, I mean, the one thing about it, they're saying certain things, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are being, to be honest, being propped up. Yeah. So we don't want that. We, we want the genius of young people. I'm with you on that. So how do you ensure that this council makes sure it's not that, not, not what we've seen? And, and, and also I'm assuming that it would be from different parts of the country and yeah. different backgrounds, so there could be a diverse type of you know, collection of young people as well.
1: Diverse collection from every walk of life, from every aspect of life, representing every human being and individual uh, that should have their voices represented which is everyone. Uh, Listen, I I think we've got experience in doing this. When you look at the National Environmental Justice Advisory Council that we've had for over 30 years, in order to keep and maintain that credibility, people have to have a voice, a certain level of independence and speak out. And so we're gonna build on that experience that we've had with environmental justice on this Youth Advisory Council. These young people will have the opportunity to come and speak in a public nature. The way you ensure this is create an advisory council, not just some side gig. And so the fact is, is there's a transcript. Every meeting is public. They can go out and talk publicly about how the meetings go. The power of their voice cannot be subdued. Mm-hmm. And so I would argue, if one thought this was a dangerous endeavor, that there's more risk to EPA, right? That we would be exposed than there is for young people to have a significant opportunity. That's a risk and a bet that we're willing to
0: take hmm uh, i'm looking at that looking out here at at destiny and cross looking that young we cross, cross ain't that young you know so he's not <laughs> he's not that young but looking out there and uh, now they they look like they are say that's a that's a good thing let me let me go back to the deep end of the pool sure all right um and this one is personal for me obviously um i mentioned louisiana yeah It's my home state um i have been working in louisiana Forever. Um, and I, uh, particularly post Hurricane Katrina, mm. um, created the Gulf Coast Renewal Campaign to help um, people come back home. Um, and then there was also, at, even recently, at the Ida. Yeah. And then there's Cancer Alley. Yeah. Um, was just there um, not too long ago. Preaching in churches. Was there with from uh, uh, Rise St. James Mm. to the Deep South Center, you name it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Been there uh, on the front line. That's my community. Yeah. Um, Bob Taylor, across the board. Yeah. Your presence there was earth shaking. when you went there on I believe it was the justice, was it the justice tour? The
1: environmental justice tour, yes. The
0: environmental justice tour. It was it was a signal not only to that community, but to other communities from Mississippi, Alabama, picking the south, but then throughout Detroit, Michigan, you name it.
1: Yeah.
0: Of that that this administrator is serious about environmental justice. Yes. Um, you walked, you talked. There is now, again, kind of what we've been feeling differently from East Palestine, because that was a disaster. This is more longer. There's a feeling now that things have shifted. Um, there was the announcement with DLJ. Right, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, if, if, I, if I want to make sure and get this right. Because actually, they, they sent me, this is one of the hot things, sure. EPA and the Department of Justice really surprised a lot of people when they dropped a Civil Rights Act petition against the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's no great secret that Louisiana has looked the other way for years as polluters targeted particularly black and brown communities. Um, they have not enforced pollution permits when violations happen, and it's well documented from the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. What did EPA investigations find, and where did this case stand today? Yeah. And what does it mean for EPA's commitment to rights protection, and EPA and DOJ are separate and regardless of whatever DOJ does, what is it that you're going to do? Mm-hmm. Because that's, as we know, your word is your bond. That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, number one, <clears throat> it was life changing to walk the streets with Doc, with uh, uh, Mr. Taylor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and spend time with uh, with the community and the family members that have been impacted.
0: Shout out to St. John's Parish.
1: St. John's Parish. And and what I did was I pledged to use every tool in the toolbox, right? So you have multiple tools in that toolbox. You know, I'm bound to follow the science and follow the law, so I won't comment too much on the the Title VI action because there's still things moving there. Mm -hmm. But I'll say on the bright side of that, there is so much during that settlement negotiation that has become public and available that shows forward movement that we're proud of that. But in addition to that action, and that action that EPA and DOJ are tied to, uh, we have definitely focused on the company. And uh, since I've been there, uh, we have a a RICRA action that has really intensified how they handle waste. Uh, We have actually pursued a civil action against the company uh, to look at how they are endangering the community. And then we've proposed some regulatory actions that really significantly reduce the exposure, particularly of chloroprene chloroprene and ETOs. Uh, I think what we've proposed, Rev, uh, is the equivalent of uh, 96% uh, less people in that area uh, will have an excessive exposure uh, to some of these risks. So what you're seeing since that Journey to Justice tour uh, is a regulation that is very stringent that will reduce that exposure. What you're seeing is a a civil action taken against the company that will hold them accountable. Uh, What you're seeing is a completely new waste management plan. And then what you've seen is EPA and DOJ have to make a decision on that Title VI piece. I think it's important for everyone to keep all of these pieces together and not lose hope uh, that if one or two of these pieces uh, connect differently than folks had imagined that, that we've lost, we're in the fight. And I think for all of us that have been a part of movements, uh, things aren't solved overnight and uh, very few times do you find a silver bullet. Uh, so, so what I'm laser focused on is finding a solution for the people who we know have been disproportionately and unfairly targeted for decades.
0: Hmm. I just got a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, um, One question, actually, about your legacy. All right? You know, the reality, and this is for me, um, that keeps me going. So folks listening, the one thing that me and Mr. Regan, obviously, were having in common forever is that we both had to take an oath. I was when I had to take an oath when I was uh, as a Former U.S. Air Force officer. Yes. Take an oath, and obviously when you become U.P.A. administrator, you, you got to take a whole bunch of oaths, and <laughs> and, and you got to take the oath. But the oath pretty much is this, that you're gonna, you know, you pledge the Constitution to, to do this work and fight for the people across the board. I just want to just this is this is the real talk, and you, you can answer, you can answer this or or oh, not answer this. How how you answer yes. it? I'm so I'm giving you that leeway because so this, this is a question for your legacy. People, regardless of how much you have tried, have died because of pollution. Mm-hmm. And some of that was intentional. Mm-hmm. You can't bring them back. You know what I mean? Yes. You can't bring them back. They're now in their graves. Mm-hmm. Children have died because of asthma attacks you can't bring them back there's nothing you could do now right there's no IRA there's no billions of dollars it's gonna bring that baby back what you can do is your legacy for whoever comes behind you what would that legacy be
1: you know I think that's um, it's a heavy question right because as the first black man to lead this agency, I I go into the office every day, understanding the responsibility and the accountability that I have. And you set the stage very well because um, you can't bring people back and certain communities will never be whole again. So you're starting with that understanding that you're gonna do the very best you can each and every day, right? So there's not a day that I don't wake up and head to the office or across the country, across the world with that on my mind. Uh, My hope is that uh, after experiencing the breakdown that we saw of the agency during the Trump administration, that we've learned from that and we've put some institutional framework in place that cannot be easily dismantled that we've put environmental justice and equity and inclusion at the forefront in ways that are not political, but they're institutional. Because if you don't have a solid institution for all this money to flow through, it will not get to the right people. So we spend a lot of time rebuilding that agency, rebuilding the DNA of the agency, not just having one office, but integrating this mindset in every media office and in every office we have. I want the legacy to show that this is not your father's EPA, Mm. that this is not the EPA of yesteryear, and that environmental justice and equity is a part of the DNA of EPA. And those resources will flow and get to all of the communities uh, that that should get these resources. Uh, You know, my hope is, and I never think about my legacy, I think about the legacy of the work and the agency, is that uh, people know that during the Biden administration and during these four years that they saw a change and that we worked as hard as we could to help as many as we can.
0: Mm. Last question. On that note, so you get the cameras here. Um, they we're in the midst of a climate crisis, yeah. um, and in that, future generations will look upon this moment, and they're not—they're not, they're not going to care about all the folks who were ridiculous saying that. It's a hoax. <laughs> they're not going to care too much about that, because they're going to be living with whatever they're they dealing with. So I want you to speak in this very unique way, like a time capsule. Hmm. Um, think about this, speaking to those who are 21, 23. 100 years from now, none of us in this room are going to be here. Um, that's the way it is. Right. is. We're human. So a 100 years from now, um, they may see this and they will look back and say, what in the world was the most powerful person defending our environment doing? And if you can speak to them, hmm. what would you want to tell them?
1: You know, I think I'd want to tell them that— uh that there was a Supreme Court that didn't understand uh, the realities and the impacts of environmental degradation and impacts on communities. Didn't understand it the way I do. And that this country is governed by laws and we have taken oaths to abide by those laws, but fight to advance the cause. I'd say that Uh, We have a president that has made historic investments, um, but still has a body that is working uh, to slow things down, Um, but that we were smart enough uh, to harness the power and the ingenuity of technology and uh, the things that make this country great and exceptional. Uh, that we were smart enough to create youth advisory councils and tap into young people and focus on future generations. And that when we look at the system as imperfect as it is, we figured out how to hook our ideas to the parts of that system that are moving forward the fastest to preserve as much as possible. And I say that because I believe in our young people I believe in the power of technology, if used correctly. I believe in American ingenuity and entrepreneurship. And I believe that if we can inject some fairness and some equity into all of these things, Rev, I think we're gonna beat this thing. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to young people and they say, well, administrator, uh, you talk about the climate crisis, but let's have a conversation about how we deal with our climate anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it is a crisis, but when we talk about it as an anxiety, we know that we can overcome it. And I'm very confident. I'm very confident that we will overcome this issue. And 100 years from now, it'll be something else that society is struggling with. It won't be this.
0: Does humanity survive? Yes, no, TBD.
1: Humanity will survive. I think that, you know, you, you, you know, the president says you can't count out America. You can't count out humanity. Mm. Uh, where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, humanity will always figure out a way. It might not be pretty. Uh, there will be some winners and losers. Uh, but I'm confident that the goodness of people around this world, it, it will prevail. And, and I think that people will come together, have come together, will continue to come together. Uh, to make sure of that.
0: And that's U.S. EPA Administrator Michael Regan and I am Rev Yearwood for The Coolest Show. Awesome. My brother, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Beautiful. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram. Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to repeat. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.